0: Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Matthew Cull, CIO at Parkland Hospital. In this segment, Cull talks about the benefits of testing technologies in a mock environment before going live, his advice for anyone who is about to lead a large development project, and how his team is reaching beyond the EMR to get the best possible view of patient data. In planning for, for all of this, did you and the other executive leaders um, you know, talk to people at, at other organizations and or do, do site visits? Or how did you kind of um, get a picture of what things might look like?
1: So we certainly did a lot of site visits. We had a mock-up environment that was an exact replication of a number of areas in the hospital, whether it be a hospital room or physician work rooms or an OR, there was an off-site facility that was largely an identical replica of, of significant portions of the hospital scaled down where we had vendors come in and bring their different technologies so that we could do day in the life studies of how these technologies were going to interact with actual usage. Um, it wasn't limited to technology. I mean, we, we tested lighting systems for the operating rooms in there. We had a lot of different vendors come in and out just showing what was available to us, and we actually got to select them by, to some degree, mock using them in true-to-life scenarios.
0: Okay. Interesting. And, and did that turn out to be pretty accurate for how things went once uh, the hospital was live?
1: Yeah, it, it really was. Since you, you had some idea of how these technologies were going to work and how they were going to interoperate together in the mock environment, it certainly eliminated a lot of the, the guessing, and uh, it wasn't the first time that we saw a lot of these things on the day we went live. When we opened the new building, we did not stage the, the go live, we picked a day. Uh, and we started rolling people across from the old hospital to the new hospital. And and the systems, the technology systems, as well as all operating systems, were intended to be ready to go on that day. We spent a number of months in preparation doing day-in-the-life scenarios. We had new Parkland Fridays, which was we would staff the new hospital with people on Fridays and have people walk through and test their badges and make sure they had access where they needed to go and do supply drills and um, run through all of the technologies from patient monitoring to all of our very new and comprehensive mobile platforms.
0: And if you had to do it again, would you do it that way again as far as really having everything move uh, on that day with practices, if you will?
1: I would. I think, frankly, our main objective was to be as invisible to our patients as possible to make their move as easy and as comfortable as possible. We have patients with all different levels of acuity, and truthfully, the, the patient's comfort and the patient's well-being was our primary focus. We built the deployment and the go-live plan around that, and I don't, I don't think there would have been a more effective way of keeping our patients comfortable than, than the speed at which we moved everyone across and got them settled into their, their new place of care.
0: Right. And with some of the technologies that were, were being deployed in the new hospital, what level was there as far as um, executive leadership there as development partners? And did, did you work with, with the vendors a fair amount to, to make sure that this technology was going to meet the needs of clinicians and, like you said, patients and, and uh, make for a, a smooth transition?
1: We certainly did. and. And not only do we have participation from the leaders throughout our organization, our clinical leaders, our operational leaders, but we also had buy-in from uh, executive leaders at organizations that were our partners in, in deploying the various technologies as well as the technology manufacturers themselves. One of the things that was unique about Parkland was just the sheer size of the project when you look at, at this project, it was a $1.3 billion hospital development project. A lot of people had truly never had an opportunity to work on something so large, and so that in and of itself certainly gained itself a lot of attention. Yeah. But we were also working in conjunction with several large uh, hardware and software vendors on dev partnerships to develop technologies that frankly had never been brought to market uh, up until the opening of the new Parkland campus. And working on a lot of these emerging technologies and a lot of new development initiatives in partnership with very, very large, well-known software hardware vendors, it it was really exciting. And and the visibility and the attention and the participation that we received, not only from our executive and and line-level staff, but from the vendors, too, was a very positive experience for, for Parkland as well as you know, now our patience in, in, in using all of these, these great technologies that we brought to there.
0: Right. So that sounds like a, a really great opportunity for leaders to have.
1: It's the biggest thing that I have ever done and probably ever will. It was very, very uh, fulfilling to work on such a project, especially with such a great team of people that we have here at Parkland.
0: Right. Is there any advice or best practices you might offer for um, others who are going to be in a, in the a similar position of, of opening a new hospital?
1: Certainly. Talk to as many people as you can who have done projects like this. We all like to share our story to help people avoid some of the problems that we encountered. But I, I think having a truly good understanding of scope and making sure that, that everyone comes to the table early to talk about what needs to be accomplished, and then focusing on those things. The right-before-go-live volume of of change requests in any project is certainly um, can be overwhelming to a project. And and in our case, we we applied very, very good change control and scope control methods, and I think that's what made our go-live as smooth as it was. And, And if anybody else was taking on a project like this, managing change and managing kind of the perceptions around what all of the constituents feel like they will need prior to actually putting foot on a project like this. It's better, I believe, to keep some of those uh, reserved until we have a chance to operate and function in a new facility like this before um, and then making decisions based on what we know as opposed to what we're, we're trying to predict.
0: Right good advice. You mentioned before that, that you've just um, recently upgraded to to the new version of Epic, but what, what are some of um, the really big uh, focuses right now from an IT standpoint?
1: Um, we're very focused on predictive analytics. We're focused on some of the new opportunities for machine learning and data science that Epic's bringing to bear in its next release. We continue to, to build out uh, what is our self-service analytic capabilities. We believe that, that information truly is going to be the key to better outcomes, and so we're investing heavily in various technologies to allow, where appropriate, people within our organization to have not only access to information, but to be able to really dive in and ask meaningful questions of the, the data that, that we we hold in our, in our repositories. We're certainly, as an early adopter of, of Epic and other help technologies we are quickly working on consolidation where we're trying to where possible eliminate some of the the once upon a time best of breed applications and and really work to consolidate with uh, you know some of the some of our bigger partners on solutions that are, are more holistic and enterprise wide and then uh, As always, in the public health spectrum, we're we're always looking for new and unique ways to apply uh, our care resources to the, you know, to the growing demand for for health resources um, in our population.
0: Right. And when you talk about the idea of leveraging data for better outcomes, it's such a big concept that uh, it really seems like it almost has to be tackled in in pieces. And it it really seems like just a a very long-term but really key strategy for any organization now.
1: Um, I I would agree with that. And, And I think that, you know, when you look at it in little pieces, I think that for a long time that was the approach of trying to, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time. But what we're finding is, is that the, the continuum of, of any of our patients' care is so much bigger than just the information that we have in the EMR. We're really trying to tap into things like social determinants and where else they're getting care and looking at non-traditional points of care to serve some of our most in-need patients. We also are looking at prescription fulfillment history outside of, of our environment. As we know people who are compliant and persistent with their medications tend to have better outcomes. We have large-scale diabetes management, large-scale cancer and oncology management to try and keep people healthy. Um, There are a number of public outreach types, initiatives that that we are are focusing on. and, And at the core of them, we're utilizing our data to determine where is the best place to apply these type of outreach programs, and then also what factors, what uh, determinants are, are relative to the outcome that our patients may res- have as a result of some of these interventions. And, and I think that looking at a patient more longitudinally from a data perspective is, is really what's going to be able to start to drive some of the predictors about not only their health conditions, but as well as the, the how to achieve the best outcomes.
0: Right. right. It's really interesting. These are the concepts that have been talked about for so long, and, and now to really see organizations moving closer is really exciting.
1: We are very excited about the work that we're doing here, and, and, and I'm, I'm fortunate to have a very amazing and committed team of people that are, that are all incredibly focused on the mission of Parkland, of, of bringing care to Dallas County patients who are most in need.
0: Right. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to ask was just about your career path and the previous experience you had before this role. Having spent time on both the vendor and, and consulting worlds, I'm sure has kind of given a unique perspective. And uh, do you feel like you're, you're really able to kind of leverage that experience uh, in this role?
1: I think so. I, I think that having a mix of public as well as for-profit uh, experience has, has definitely served me well. I think that when you can take for-profit-type constructs and, and apply them to public health care or, or, or public types of initiatives, um, you find ways to bring efficiencies. I, I think that having um, had background in, in multiple industries has been helpful. You know, my eyes haven't been on healthcare care for my entire career. Um, a large portion of it, but not all of it. And so seeing the way other industries solve problems uh, has, has definitely brought some intuition to this role um, and solving some of the problems that we have here as a hospital or some of the challenges or initiatives that, that we want to, to move forward um, as a hospital. The, the learning experience of other industries has, has really been invaluable. I think uh, on a very personal level, there is something profound about public health it is very fulfilling to know that we're here to care for the people. We certainly are financially conscious. We have to be good stewards of, of our financial resources, but the main objective at Parkland is caring for people and, and helping uh, those who are most in need, and, and it's very personally fulfilling to be able to do this kind of work as a profession.
0: Right. Yeah. It, um just through talking talking with you, uh, your, your passion comes through, and that that's really great to see, and, and that's exactly what uh, I believe the industry needs right now. So really great stuff.
1: Well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say.
0: Sure. Well, um, I could definitely talk to you more, but I'm <laughs> going to let you go. I know you have things to do. But thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I think that our readers will really uh, benefit from hearing about the work that you guys are doing.
1: Terrific. Thank you. I appreciate the time to talk today.
0: Sure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com podcast.